Welcome to the Art of Faith podcast. I'm Pastor Joshua Kapchinski. Uh, if you would like to support this podcast, you may do so by going to granitecreek.org, select media or select give, and just choose the Art of Faith podcast or Granite Creek Studios. We're going to be producing more uh, podcasts and works in the future, and we would love and appreciate your support. So thank you very much for that. I'm starting a new series on, well, this is going to be a little, this could possibly be controversial. I'm starting a new series on the public figure, Jordan Peterson. Now, it could be controversial in that, you know, he's a controversial public figure, and he's not in the arena of church life. So he's not a pastor, he's not an evangelist, he's not a worship leader, he is a clinical psychologist that stirred the pot, and now he's been thrust into the public eye, and I, I, I'm I, a fan. I'll just come out and say that I'm a fan. Uh, I do not want to put this individual on a, on a pedestal and worship him like, you know, he is he's godlike, but what I am impressed about the individual as a man is that I think he's doing more to uh, help the growth of spiritual development in individuals and most, and honestly, if the church can can follow along in, in some ways, like he's going to make a huge impact in society. Again, a clinical psychologist who got um, stirred the pot with the the gender identity and um, the pronoun issues, and he I think it was in 2015 he basically said boys are boys and girls are girls. Uh, it's probably best that you do a little bit of research on exactly what went down. Uh, but he's he frames out very good arguments about how uh, dangerous it is for the individuals and how dangerous it is to society to perpetuate uh, these ideas. And so basically he's calling it a social contagion. And as a trained psychologist that has studied uh, mass behaviors for the last 300 years, we humans come up with bright ideas and uh, it, 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 it's contagious. And, you know, there was a time where uh, self-harm w- was a thing. So a few people started cutting themselves, and then it became a thing, and then everybody started doing it. And so this is, uh, this is what he believes is happening with uh, the transgender phenomenon that's taking place. Uh, he had the statistics. Anyway, it, he comes at it from a scientific point of view. I think it would be great for the church to get an objective view about some of the issues that he's bringing up. He has also released a new book that's brought him even more notoriety, but recently uh, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, I I would I'll challenge you to listen to that one. Now, here is um, Here's a warning. There is lots of bad language, lots of smoking. It, it is the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, it is not a Christian thing. But what he's framing out in, in the latest podcast that he does with Joe Rogan is something that we need to think about and at least as Christians be aware of what he's doing. He's, he's developing an alternative, a, a counterculture to what is going on. I don't know how successful he will be, but he is 
you know, he's been on this the Joe Rogan podcast, which is the most famous podcast in all of the world. He's been on that one several times, and it's almost as if he's a different type of a character this time around. He's having discussions with intellectuals and world changers about coming up with an alternative to the World Economic Forum. I mean, that that is just mind-boggling. I, I, I was shocked to see that he wants to dip his toe into this arena. It's almost as if he's, he's, he wants to enter into the political arena. There's been rumors that people are trying to encourage him to run for the Prime Minister of Canada. Uh, I mean, so he's gonna be somebody that is going to be in the news. He's not going away anytime soon. He wants to, uh, with the help of friends and other support, he wants to start restructuring society in ways that that would be healthy and not detrimental, in ways that will help everyone. I mean, it, you know, he's anti-communism, he's anti-socialism, uh, but at the same time, he wants to make sure that Everyone has access to affordable energy, everybody throughout the whole world. So anyway, I'm not quite sure why he is ratcheting up uh, his spheres of influence and what he wants to accomplish. Because prior to this, he was just your typical uh, couch shrink who would uh, walk you through your marital problems and your insecurities. But he's doing big things. And he is... He's definitely proclaiming himself to be a person of faith and a Christian. I guess I'm just not quite 100% sure about his personal relationship with Jesus or uh, his, his, his spiritual practices. I don't know what his prayer life is. It's kind of, you know, it's not, it's not for me to judge, but he has done some incredible works on Genesis and Exodus and some other looks into scriptural passages. And so, um, he's huge. Now, what I want to do in the next, uh, well, it's going to be quite a bit. So I'm going to be talking about him, uh, specifically his books. So what I want to do is I want to frame out not just about what he's doing in society today, but I want to take a look at his, at his two books, um, 12 Rules of Life, The Antidote to Chaos, and his second book that just came out, which I just finished, it is 12 More <laughs> Rules for Life. And uh, so he's got 24 rules for life, and it is, it's boiled down to uh, personal responsibility and what the individual should do in order to take responsibility for their own life. And so uh, we're going to go over 25 rules. I don't know if we'll do more than one uh, on a podcast, but today I'm going to do just one. So his first rule uh, from his 12 Rules of Life, The Antidote to Chaos, is stand up tall with your head up and your shoulders back. Rule number one. And if you want to attempt to read this one, it will challenge your vocabulary a little bit. And this guy talks like no one else. And so at times, he can be hard to follow. It's hard, it's hard for me to follow uh, some of his work. Because he's just so brilliant, and his, you know, again, his his vocabulary is at a different level, so it could be challenging. So what I'm going to do is I'll just dumb it down a little bit and give you a very short survey of this first rule, of this first principle, and becoming a better person 
And yes, I will even say, I'm going to push it into the spiritual realm because he does so uh, all day long in every book and every chapter. He's always quoting scripture. So even though he's not a religious person, he believes in the, the authority or the value of the scriptures. So rule number one, again, is uh, hold your head up high with your shoulders back. Now, this isn't, uh, this isn't something new that psychologists have messed around with. Uh, a few years back, Amy Cuddy uh, uh, wrote a book about the whole concept of power poses. It seems, as this, it seems like a little bit of science woo-woo stuff, um, but there is some science to support, and maybe either physiologically or emotionally, we know that how we carry ourselves and the position of our bodies uh, not only will communicate to the world and people around us, but it actually also has an effect on our feelings and our and our moods. And so Cuddy uh, came out with this this book, and I forgot the name of the book, but the idea is, is that you fake it till you make it. And so you don't feel good, you're a little depressed, you're anxious about a job interview. So she would argue that what you would do before you enter into either a stressful situation or you want to break out of a funk is that you would just basically change your body posture. You would, you know, do the, you know, the eagle pose, the spread eagle pose, the victory pose, the victory lap. You, you're going to open yourself up, make yourself stand tall, hold your head up high. And so this is her idea about how to help uh, you as an individual change your mindset. So you change your body position and then the mind and the, the emotions will follow. So a little bit of woo-woo, there is some science behind it. We do know that uh, when you do hold your head up high, you carry yourself a little bit better. Uh, we do know scientifically that if you smile, it releases chemicals, it releases endorphins. And so in chapter one of 12 Rules for Life, uh, as a psychologist, Jordan goes over this concept of holding yourself high and, and, and changing your physiologically by choosing to do so. And it does seem very controversial, but uh, he goes into the science. So he'll talk, he talks about how, um, how your serotonin levels are affected by uh, if you're slouching or if you're you know, walking tall. So... So he makes some very strong arguments. Now, the fascinating thing about chapter one is the use of his metaphor, which, like, I honestly, I didn't get it the first time. I thought it was kind of lame. But the use of his metaphor has become a bit of a mascot for at least this last book and almost a little bit for his, his movement. So he begins to help us by describing us as, as being lobsters. That's right. So this psychologist says that we have a lot in common with lobsters. So they're crustaceans that live on the ocean floor. They, they scurry around. They like to fight. Um, they like to reproduce. And so basically he's just saying they're a lot like us, which I don't know. I, don't, I think he could have maybe picked a better uh, analogy, like, I don't know, chimpanzees or something. But he says that we are a lot like lobsters in that uh, socially we behave the same way. 
Now, we're not living on the bottom of the ocean floor, but what lobsters do when they're on the bottom of the ocean floor, they begin to map out their space. They get very territorial with their space. They have a concept and they have a concept of real estate. They know where they want to live. They want to live in, uh, I don't know, think about SpongeBob SquarePants. They want to live, you know, in the nice little shell and they want to have, uh, you know, their white picket fence and their three-car garage. So, so lobsters, they like their real estate, which is a very fascinating concept for us to relate to because we also like our real estate and we like our borders and we like our country and and it's a it's a human condition it's a human nature condition and so lobsters get territorial on the on the ocean floor and they position themselves to for the best piece of real estate uh and what he's highlighting is that lobsters have a sense of hierarchy so there's some lobsters that are a little up higher on the social scale and then there's some lobsters that are kind of middle class lobsters and then there's like some loser lobsters and so he highlights that there is a, is a hierarchy and that is a reflection that there is a hierarchy uh in society so we know that you know up the hill we got the super rich and then you come down down a little bit lower the real estate is a little bit less uh you know out of the foothills and you know we got your little middle class but if you go down even further even in parts of the city um you know you, you start getting into lower income housing areas and so we too have this concept and sense of of real, of real estate and we know that uh, certain conditions environmental conditions and social conditions also affect the value of real estate specifically like crime or or education so we have become manipulators of our own environment so he makes this point that um he makes an interesting point that hierarchy is actually a needed and a good thing that um it is good to have some type of a of a of a social structure of a social order and that's a hard. That's a hard one for a lot of us to get. It's that's that's a hard one for me to get. Now, yeah, I am a Jordan Peterson fanboy. I don't always agree with everything that he says, uh, but this one I really struggled with because he just thinks that. Well, again, he's he's anti-communist, so he doesn't think that everybody should get paid the same rate or the same wage. Although he does strongly believe that everybody should have access to a high quality. Uh, or a, a better quality of life and you know cheap energy cheap insurance uh, affordable housing so he's going to be all 100 percent on board with that and he believes that uh, that we as humans can make a more um, i gotta be careful what language i use these days because i know equitable is a bad word um fair society now whether you agree with that, with the statement or not, that hi the hierarchy is a good thing. Um, you know, you might think it's good, you might think it's bad. But we're just going to go with Jordan. We're going to say the hierarchy is a good thing. So you got people on top, they're calling the shots, and then, you know, middle managers, and then, you know, laborers. It's a, it's a whole social structure. So we're just going to say that hierarchy is, is a good thing in, in the ordering of society because it does bring in 
a sense of order. And his his idea is that not only in society, but personally, uh, we need to make sure that we um, have order in our life. So he's a, he's, a, he's a guy of order, which is an order is a biblical principle. I don't, you know, well, maybe I'll get into that later. But that that's that's a big concept is that hierarchy produces order. Now, um, he he will go on to say that you know the lobsters, some like boy lobsters who are positioning themselves for you know the the prime piece uh, piece of real estate or the the prime mate. You know they're they want to attract a mate. Um, they fight right. So, you know, they, they have their little dueling matches on the, on the ocean floor. And I guess you could say that we, well, not so much anymore, but, you know, back in the day, we used to, to duel to the death for the maiden's hand or for the piece of real estate or to protect our castle. Um, so we're a lot alike in, in that sense that, that we will go to war for real estate. Um, this is something that Jordan doesn't talk about, and if I ever had the opportunity to talk to him, I'd probably bring it up. But in Genesis, in Genesis two, um, Adam and Eve have their you know their their first two children, Cain and Abel, and um, there's offerings that are presented to the Lord. So. Abel um, brings his offering, his first fruits, which it, which was animals. So he brings animals to the table, and Cain is said to have brought a portion of his crops as an offering to the Lord, and the and God's not happy with Cain's offering, but he accepts Abel's offering. It seems very petty, and it seems like what in the world's going on, and it doesn't seem quite fair. Uh, a couple little clues as to why we can figure out that God's not happy with that offering. First is that uh, Cain is reported to bring only a portion of what he produced. And that right there is the key. So he just gave a portion. He just gave a little bit about what he produced. And in the Hebrew and in the concept, we know that Abel did not give produce of what he produced. He gave a sacrifice of an animal that God had created, so he did not produce the animal. He might have, you know, he might have uh, caged it, uh, but in all reality, um, and I do think that the text supports this. Uh, in all reality, uh, Abel, or excuse me, Cain. No, no, Abel uh, was not. A herder, most likely he was a hunter gatherer, so he probably you know hunted his animal down. Uh, fun fact: so I, I Luke will appreciate this. I went hiking up in the Claremont Wilderness Trail today, and I saw uh, a mountain lion. But then I saw right after that, I saw four deer, and one of them had the had, it was a stag, had a big giant rack. It was so awesome to see. Uh, I let my dog off the leash to try and hunt it. There was no chance that she was going to catch it, but it was, I'm kicking myself that I didn't take video on that one because it was so cool. It made my day. Anyway, um, we believe that Abel was a hunter gatherer and that he was, uh, everything that he needed was provided to him uh, by nature. In contrast, 
Abel, uh, excuse me, Cain, uh, was a farmer who had his own piece of property that he developed, and he had a high sense of ownership of it, and he was only willing to give a portion of what he made. Now, the truth of the matter is, is that we are all farmers. We're all, at, our whole society is an agricultural-based society. There might be a very few hunter-gatherer tribes left in the world, um, but you know the easier way is if we can control and manipulate our environment for our benefit, and we've been doing so for tens of thousands of years. That was a controversial statement, but that's what I believe. Anyway, um, so... Cain had this little piece of real estate all carved out. He says, this is mine. Okay, and guess, God, I got to give you a, a, a portion of it. And then it, it went sideways. And then he was jealous that God accepted um, Abel's, Abel's meat sacrifice. And he murders his brother over this, over this issue of uh, basically uh, real estate. And Cain acts out like an angry lobster. He acts out violently, and he, he murders his brother. Uh, when Americans, when Americans, excuse me, when Europeans first arrived in America, they, they encountered two societies. They encountered uh, hunter-gatherer societies, and they, they encountered agricultural societies. So the Cherokee and the Choctaw, um, they were hunter-gatherer types of, of tribes when, we, when the Europeans first got here. Uh, I always ask the question, who do you think are nicer, farmers or hunters? And everybody will say, well, the farmers are going to be nicer. But that is just not the case. This is 100% not true. So the ones that befriended the Europeans and showed them the ropes and showed them how to survive uh, were the, the hunter-gatherers. Uh, the ones that would end up torturing and skinning alive Europeans, those were the farmers because they had a sense of ownership of the, of the, of the real estate. Like the Iroquois said, this is our land, these are our fences, you cross this fence and we're going to murder you. And they, and they did. The, the Iroquois were the meanest, nastiest Indians. They would literally skin you alive and slowly roast you over fire. And those were the farmers. The hunters, like they were cool. Like let's just go hang out in the woods together and be one with nature. So they were awesome. So that's probably what's taking place. So whether we like it or not, we are the byproduct of an agricultural-based society. And if you have a home and a mortgage, you know you have your own little sliver of land, and uh, and probably most of you would be willing to fight and die for it. And that's just that's just the truth. So we live in um, in a hierarchical society, whether we like it or not. So, Jordan will say, hierarchy is good, and you might have to fight another lobster in order to, to go up the ranks, and this is, what, this is what you do if you want to climb that ladder. You have to hold your head high and your shoulders back. Because lobsters, again, are a lot like us. The ones that, that puff themselves up, that make their claws big, uh, the ones that don't slouch, those are the ones that advance, and those are the ones that get the girl.
And so that's what he's going to say. And uh, I think that that's a bit, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of good advice for anyone that is probably struggling to make it in this crazy world where rents are so high and, you know, eggs are seven bucks and you're just trying to scrape by to make it. Uh, changing your posture and how you walk and how you carry yourself and holding your head up high uh, will make a huge difference. And he's going to make a, a huge argument for that. So if you ever see Jordan Peterson with a lobster tie or a lobster graphic, now you know what it means because uh, lobsters will change their chemistry in order to be successful. Lobsters that get sad and depressed, well, they just kind of they just kind of shrink away and they don't they don't win. So that's what he's going to say. And and this is the amazing thing about uh, like his perspective. Even though he is he believes in hierarchy, he also believes in the little guy. And he wants to encourage the little guy, the little gal to make it and to be successful and not to fall prey and not to be a victim. Like this is such a huge thing for us to get. Like like we don't want to fall into victimhood. Jordan is huge on personal responsibility, meaning that we need to take ownership of every area of our life. Um, one thing that Another illustration that he will use is he will talk about uh, the phenomenon of tyrants and dictators. So tyrants and dictators take advantage of uh, society when people have abdicated their responsibility. Whenever a people group abdicates their responsibility for a better life, a tyrant will fill that void. And so that ha that that plays true to us. So whenever we're not responsible with certain aspects or elements of our life, we will become our own tyrants. And that will wreak havoc in our personal and emotional life. So uh, I, I'm gonna, I'll push it into scripture in a second. But physiologically, we know if we carry ourselves a little higher, we walk with our shoulders back and our head up, and we walk with confidence. We, we, we might not feel confident, but if we choose confidence, the confidence will follow. So, you know, we might not be happy, but if we choose to be happy, eventually our emotions will catch up with our decision, with our choices. So that's a true thing. It's a true statement. So, uh, yeah, so if you want, you can literally pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But here is the better way. And... I do think that Jordan will allude to this, but there is a scriptural precedent to being a better lobster. And Proverbs 3 3 it says that, uh, O Lord or O Yahweh, uh, you are a shield around me. So you are, you, you're, you're, your intention is to protect me. And this is fascinating. He says, the psalmist, or you know, most likely David, says, You are a shield around me. Uh, you are my glory. Now, like, who says that? I mean, you have to be a Christian. You have to be a follower of Christ or a believer in God to make that statement that you are my glory. Now, that is a statement that Cain did not make. He says, this is mine. I have made my own glory, and I'm going to give you a little bit of it. But 
what David, his secret to success, he says that, no, you are my glory. So all of my success, all of my wealth and provision and happiness and fulfillment, that, is, that all comes from you. So, so David recognizes that, that God is his glory, that he is not his own glory, which is a huge um, mindset for a king. Uh, I mean, he was a king, yeah, but he started off as a mercenary, as a warlord. So, you know, he kind of worked his way up that, that, uh, that stratus, that, that hierarchy. You know, he was one of the lowest of the low, and he just walked right up the, the hierarchy in a society that did not allow you to do that, and he did it. And this is why, because he says, you are my shield, you are my glory. And then he says something that is very powerful. Uh, I did not read this in chapter one of 12 Rules for Life, uh, but the Bible said it before Jordan said it. And it says, you are the lifter of my head and the lifter of my countenance. So maybe you can't lift your head on your own. Maybe you're so down in the dumps that you can't do it, but you can ask the Lord to do it. So the Lord is the lifter of your head. David will go on to say, you've pulled me out of the muck and the mire. You've pulled me out of this darkness. Uh, he, David has a little secret. He begins to talk to himself. He'll say, to, he'll say to himself, why are you disquieted, oh my soul? Like basically, he's having a conversation. He's giving himself a little bit of a hard time. He's like, dude, what's the matter with you? Why are you, why are you bummed out? So self, stop being that way. And he, he tells himself to change his mind. So um, we can learn a lot from Jordan. We can learn more through the Bible. And uh, so that's, that's rule number one. Hold your head up high. Walk with your shoulders back. Uh, you are a lobster that can change his chemistry. You are, you're a lobster that, that the Lord can hold your head up. So, hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, we'll do rule number two next time, and I hope to see you there. And uh, if you have any questions about this Jordan Peterson guy, because when I went to go see him, Last week, I was like surprised about how many people in the church uh, did not know who he is. And so he's going to be coming up more and more, specifically if he pulls off this new economic forum and a new model for restructuring society. Like he's going to be, we're going to be talking about him. It's going to be all over the place. So uh, if he doesn't get uh, canceled and shadow banned and, or assassinated, we're going to hear more about this guy. I mean, it's fascinating. Thank you so much for watching or listening to the Art of Faith podcast. Uh, looking forward to the next time I get to meet with you. And again, if you can uh, support the channel, that would be great. Uh, also got lots of antiques and things in here that are for sale. So if you like any of them, reach on out to me and uh, I'll give you a good deal. God bless you guys. See you next time.